like it is it is a painting that i've already made in my head and now i'm telling all these people to recreate that what is in my head hmm. firstly it's such a privilege that you get to do that hmm. and for me in past that was the thing when i went and did research hmm. in kutch came back to bombay and i started writing my first aha moment was i'm not making a film about them i'm making a film about us oh sensible hmm. you know where the committee told me aapko wo nikalna padega so i said wo kya hoga i said the breast the shot of the breast i said breast and they all jumped back hello welcome to where we talk about films a podcast where i mean where we talk about films my name is vidar joshi i'm your host and uh, today's episode is with leena yadav we talk about writing directing collaborating and uh, she also shares a journey of making the film she really wanted to make i'm a little nervous so let's just get into it i've always heard this term and i've agreed to it that good art can change you can move you and when you walk out of a great film or a good film you are not the same person you were when you were buying the ticket and the same thing that same huge change happened in me when i was watching past and when i finished the film there was a conversation happening with leena ma'am there was a q and a and that just made me understand that a good story will always come from a really strong voice and today i'm getting a chance to have a conversation with one of the i think one of the very strong voices of bollywood of hindi film industry leena ma'am she is the writer director of films like shabd past Rajma Chawal, Teen Patti, and uh, I'm just really excited to have this conversation to understand her process. And uh, how are you, ma'am? Thank you so much for joining us. First of all, I'm very well. Thank you. Okay, so ma'am, how did your journey with films begin? Like initially, when did you start? So I wish I had a story that said when I was four years old, I already <laughs> knew I wanted to make films, <laughs> but I don't. Okay. I kind of found my way here. So uh, I was doing economics honors, and I was supposed to do my MBA and stuff. Mm-hmm. And just last minute, I had a change of heart, literally like months before my MBA entrance exams. And I said, you know what? I don't want to do an office job, and mm-hmm. I should be doing something else. Okay. So starting from there, it was literally like kind of finding my way. Uh, enrolled for a course. I said, okay, something in the media. I don't know what. Mm-hmm. So enrolled for a course in Sapphire. Uh, social communication media okay. in bombay mm-hmm. again wanted to change city i was studying in my college in delhi uh-huh. and it was too oppressive so i was like i've heard bombay may you know you can live alone as a woman and uh-huh. do your stuff okay so then you know uh, chose to do this course here amazing amazing course that was it gave mm-hmm. us an overview of you know various like professions journalism okay. uh, radio television film mm-hmm. so yeah from there so then i when i trace back i think basically i was a storyteller uh-huh. and my childhood was in the army and we were in a new city and a new school every two years okay and i think i broke through the barriers of making friends and stuff like that and adjusting uh-huh. with, with just pure storytelling okay i would pick up stories and that's how i would make friends mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah so yeah Were you always a like That's into films, watching films, cinebuff, cinephile? Uh, yeah, by default actually. So, Achha. army wherever we were posted, they always had an army theater. 
uh-huh. and we would ha- we would see two films a week, one oh. Hindi and one English. Uh-huh. So we were like pretty up to date in that sense, and that was like a social event. Mm-hmm. And some of the army places, I mean, the cantonments I've stayed in had open air theaters, really beautiful, beautiful theaters. So that whole thing was for me from childhood an experience, mm-hmm. you know. Okay. And my father has been a huge, huge fan of uh, westerns, oh, so okay. cowboy films and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You know? So I saw Good, Bad, Ugly in my childhood, and like, oh, nice. yeah. So yeah. how how impactful that was? Like, do you, when introspecting, do you think that that part of your life impacted the time the kind of films you're making right now? Not westerns, but in general. Uh no, but I just uh, I realized how powerful and um, you know what a language cinema is. I guess mm-hmm. just like subliminally it was because uh-huh. there were so many associations with it and so mm-hmm. much learning from it mm-hmm. um, that. I don't think that reflects in my films, but I think the worldview that I have in my films comes from comes from that life. Okay. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And you mentioned this you mentioned before that uh, you started editing. You you were working on uh, the editing side of a film or a TV show, and that's where you learned ma- like a lot of things about filmmaking. Now yes. editing is uh, itself a very powerful tool. But uh, in that process, how did you learn about screenwriting or directing or everything else as well? Okay, so I have a very beautiful relationship with editing. Firstly, mm-hmm. the thing is that um, when I went on a set for the first time, I was just like, "What does the director do? Like, mm-hmm. really, really, what do they do? Okay. They can clearly, ha- you know, hire a team of a amazing cinematographer, somebody mm-hmm. amazing for sound, and just get all these great HODs, get the best talent." Mm-hmm. And then, other than saying action and cut, what do you bring to the table? <laughs> huh. okay. So, I just decided that I wanted to know one technical aspect completely of film. Achha, okay. You know, so okay. come into direction from one perspective. Yeah, and then I said, you know, editing is feels like a gateway where you've uh-huh. done everything, and this is where it's all going to come together. Uh-huh. And then, yeah. you know, it goes into the world. Hmm. I said, okay, that seems like from the outside a very powerful tool. Mm-hmm. So that's how I got into editing, and I actually learned editing from Raju Hirani. Oh, okay. Yes. Uh-huh. So yeah, I worked with him. I learned editing from him. Then I started editing on my own. Okay. And the thing is that for me, editing uh, taught me direction firstly. because you know it's where everybody's best comes together and you have to make the choices as an editor right yeah the director's best work you have to uh-huh. choose the cinematographer's best shot you mm-hmm. have to choose the actor's best take mm-hmm. and that's where it's very you know mm-hmm. essential mm-hmm. so um yeah so i i uh, i continue to learn a lot from editing now i don't edit my own films because uh-huh. i realized So editing basically becomes like your last draft. It's like writing your yeah. last draft of, yeah. right? Yeah. So it it does teach you about writing. You mm-hmm. know, you could have corrected things there, but now you're correcting mm-hmm. it here. Mm-hmm. So, in past, I worked with an amazing editor called Kevin Tan. Yeah. And uh, actually, working with Kevin because we were we had lots of discussions about mm-hmm. what stays, what doesn't, mm-hmm. uh, and and it's a big deal, you know, giving away. editing to somebody when you yourself can edit yeah so but after working with kevin after all the discussions it always plays on my mind when i'm writing them mm. okay 
uh-huh. you know things that that i learned from him in mm-hmm. editing which i apply in writing now okay and uh, you edited shabd the first film yeah. so usually people say that the writers director should not edit the film because they don't have the objectivity over the material and uh, so what was your approach when you were editing shabd and how it has changed now like what's your process of editing going into the editing uh, room with the editor or without an editor um so shabd yeah hmm. it was my first film yeah and now also when i look back i can't decide whether that was a bad decision or a good decision that i mm-hmm. edited the mm-hmm. it's a mix of both okay uh but yes what happened by the time i because i had written it hmm. i had shot it but luckily you know i don't bring one personality into the other and how do so, you do that like, it's crazy because i'm not attached to the written word when i'm shooting Oh, nice. I let the magic there unfold. Ah. If a change happens and that's for the better, I don't say no, 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 no. We need to be that. Mm-hmm. For me, so me, for me, the most interesting process is being on set. Okay. Because I feel that's where, that's where you know, in all directions, the dynamics have to fit. If they don't, ah. then that's where it all goes wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, so mm-hmm. uh, yeah. So I, I cut off from the writer. I do what needs to be done mm-hmm. in directing. Mm-hmm. maybe in shabda was not able to cut that off that much mm-hmm. and then coming in as an editor maybe i was not able to demarcate now i am able to demarcate these things very clearly okay but uh, by the time i, I was editing I had become so attached to everything mm-hmm. you know that i had created from writing mm-hmm. to shooting to that if anybody said anything i would feel like crying i got like i was so emotionally in it <laughs> so like you said absolutely objectivity gone mm-hmm. and uh, yeah so uh, after that post shop i decided i am never going to edit my own films okay. and i have it ever okay after shop you did teen patti and i use i use editing to shoot the film like i shoot the film like an editor oh okay can you elaborate more on that you shoot film like an editor so i don't do what in film language is called coverage yahan se bhi le lo yahan se bhi le lo yahan top angle bhi le lo उंट So and that that a lot uh, even when I was shooting Pash with Russell Carpenter, yeah. After the first one week, Russell was really upset with me. He said, "Lena, you're not doing enough coverage." Hmm. So I said, "What do you mean?" He said, "You know, we're not going to come back to these locations because I'm sure at the edit you're going to say you need that and you needed this. I'm seeing now you're just like hmm. taking such few shots." Hmm. And I said, "No, but Russell, I already know why should I take ten more shots?" Hmm. And in another week. we had another conversation and he says oh i get it now okay you know and i wish i wish all the directors i worked with worked like that ha ah. but ma'am that confidence that you're sure that in the, uh, in your edit this will work that comes with experience or was that confidence way like it was there in shabd as well then teen pati and oh it was there in shabd itself oh, okay yeah. nice yeah so you just know uh, how the final film is going to look Yeah, I mean, I have also made mistakes and learned from them. It's mm-hmm. not like I'm 
you know, cocksure about everything. It's mm-hmm. not. Uh, I think more than anything, it's more instinct. I don't know. I trust okay. that while mm-hmm. while uh, taking these decisions, I think my instincts are. Mm-hmm. And now when we've gone digital, where there's no value for the amount of footage that you yeah. shoot, <laughs> you know. In these times, sometimes, like even like in Rajma Chawal, I would okay a shot in one take, and everybody would say like, you know, hello, you can't okay it in one take. Uh-huh. At least you take one more for safety. I said, safety for what? Oh, no. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You know, they said, what if it disappears from the disc? Because you know, something happens. I said, if it has to, won't like fifteen takes also disappear? <laughs> yeah. You know. Uh-huh. There's this quote by Werner Herzog where he says that young filmmakers come to me and they are like, we have shot 300 hours of footage, 400 hours of footage. And it, it he says that it just sinks my heart that we are filmmakers. We are not garbage collectors. I think the approach is very similar. And, uh, but uh, another thing you mentioned, Kevin Sor, Russell Sor, and uh, your collaboration with people from, not from India, started with Teen Patti, Ben Kingsley, uh, Kevin Sor, and then Russell Carpenter. So, uh, why did you and choose? also Teen Patti was edited by an amazing, amazing editor called Hugh, Hughes Winborn. Okay, so uh, who's done films like Help and Crash? Even in for Crash. Okay, so how did yeah. this overseas uh, collaboration begin, and why did you decide to get someone uh, from outside the India? Like, what were you looking for? I was looking for another perspective. I've always believed mm. that films are very, very universal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you will, you've seen like even the most rooted films mm-hmm. where culturally and everything is so specific and different. Mm-hmm. If they're true to what they are, you know, they'll, they'll find a universal yeah. because it's about emotions. And if mm-hmm. your emotions are there, then, you mm-hmm. know, uh, but sometimes the language of speaking, which is like, a, say, an accent, mm. So you're saying the same thing, but the way you're saying it hmm. is have have you know it's blocking out some people. You know, it's okay. not as so the uh-huh. moment you get another perspective in which you think is the other end of the spectrum, hmm. Hmm. you say the same thing that you're saying. Hmm. Okay. That slight adjustment it suddenly opens up, hmm. you know, where the film can go. Yeah. And I experienced that for real, like hmm. just it's the same scene, the way I would have cut it, and the way a Hughes or a uh, Kevin cut it. Mm-hmm. It's that slight shift in the grammar of telling it. Uh-huh. And it made it more accessible. Okay. Uh-huh. So that was a... Uh, and how did these collaboration happen? I mean, I, I dream of a day where I'm, I work with a crew, which is from all... Each, each and every HOD is from a different part of the world. Mm-hmm. And we are still making the same film. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that would be the most amazing collaboration possible. Yeah, for me. But ma'am, as a director, how do you uh, communicate with uh, people coming from different countries and uh, make them understand the exact cultural reference you are giving in your films? Um. Okay, so this is like double-edged. Mm-hmm. One is that, yeah, it's an education. I mean, it's the best way to actually try and get into somebody else's shoes, right? Mm. Like actually buy into something so yeah. fil- while you're making a film you, you buy into everything about that mm. film right mm. so it's the best way to dive in and learn and live mm. another kind of life which is what russell also experienced i mean when he came here we didn't get him too much in advance from the shoot firstly okay. we couldn't afford it and secondly mm. i genuinely didn't want him to get comfortable uh-huh. i wanted him to see it from a like what is this eye 
okay. You know, yeah. where also the beauty came from because he saw so much beauty in that village. You know, he saw the design in it because yeah. Russell also is a very, very amazing artist, basically. Mm -hmm. you know? mm -hmm. So he saw so much design there, and uh, and then we had this discussion and I said I want to make a beautiful film I know we are talking mm. about some darker things but mm -hmm. I'm celebrating these women I'm not mourning these women yeah oh nice you know and mm. that has to be there completely in the mm. look so actually it's uh, language and culture and all you know it they're layers mm. they can be removed when you come to the heart of it mm -hmm. like when Kevin was editing Parched obviously he was editing out of um, Subtitle. I had made a really oh. long cut. Okay. Started working from that, but whenever he wanted to edit a scene, he would go back to the Russians. Achha. So um, it was amazing that after some time he took off the subtitles and he said, "I'm getting it." Oh, nice. <laughs> you know, and similarly, Russell. I mean, uh, sometimes I would like forget to just before the scene tell him the content exact thing mm -hmm. of the scene and. But the way he was responding with his camera was, he was getting it. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, uh, I don't know. I, I think, and that's the beauty. I'm, once I did a collaboration like that, mm -hmm. I'm addicted to it now. I want more and more. I mm -hmm. want to see the same thing from an eye that has never lived or imagined that kind of life. Yeah. I want, mm -hmm. you know, I, because that gives you another definition into yourself hmm. so you know so the simple thing that we say that we know ourselves the best hmm. maybe not <laughs> it's nice to see you from somebody else's perspective hmm. right yeah 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 like i would love to go and make a really culturally rooted film in another country and a language that i don't know hmm. i think there would be so much beauty in that and i think it's possible i do not believe that uh -huh. you can only tell stories that you know hmm. <laughs> Okay. You know, as long as you empathize and you actually surrender to the world you're getting mm -hmm. into, I think you can tell that story anyway. Okay. Now, uh, okay, speaking about stories from different culture where you were not from, the cultures you didn't know, past, like, I cannot stop talking about that film. It's been a while since I watched that film. But to be very honest, it's very difficult for me to go into that film again because it just shakes me up. Like, every scene, every frame, everything... Uh, how difficult was it? First of all, where where does Parsh come from within you? Where is that film coming from? Because I strongly feel that it's coming from a very deep space, uh, very deep emotion about women. And uh, so, can you elaborate on that? Uh, Parsh came from a deep space in too many at too many levels. Okay. One is so Shabd and Teen Patti were not typical Bollywood kind of films. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I ended up making it with a very big star cast, both of them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So somewhere I felt the pressure of making an idea which may have not may not have been that accessible. I had to make it more accessible. Hmm. Okay. Okay. So um, and then whatever conflicts I had in the making of the films, the films hmm. finally the way the films were marketed, you know, as a love story and which was right in what it was doing because hmm. that's what the producer needs to do try and make yeah. the film sound accessible uh -huh. but I didn't feel it was right and you know after Timpati I said I, maybe I should stop directing because it takes so much out of you yeah. and I'd never felt like, like 
oh, I got to do it the way I wanted to do uh, it. Ultimately. Okay. So, so that's when I, uh, I said I won't make films and that's when my husband who's a cinematographer said, yeah, yeah. there's no way you're going to stop making films. You now make the film that you want until the end, you will have a say in everything that happens to this film. That's my promise to you and I'll produce this film. So okay. that's how Asim turned yeah. producer, uh -huh. gave me the most difficult promise <laughs> because it was very difficult to finance. Uh -huh. But when something needs to be told, it mm -hmm. just creates a need to be told, you know, mm -hmm. and then some crazy, amazing angels came and helped us make that film. Okay. So, uh, yeah, it, it came from that space. It came from a space when I made my first film, I was asked so many questions only about being a woman filmmaker. Right? That woman filmmaker was really underlined. Uh -huh. Like, you know, as a woman, how do you feel working with an actor? I don't, I don't know how it should feel different otherwise, you know, uh -huh. how can I tell you? As a woman, how different it is. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, oh my God, they all want to put me in a box. And uh, so they think, oh, a woman, now she should tell, you know, sorry tales about women. And mm -hmm. I was just like so upset with that, that I said, I'm never going to make films, uh, you know, a film about women. Mm. Because that's what they want me to do. I'm not going to give in to that. <laughs> So I guess when I went to rock bottom in terms of I want to just give it up, uh -huh. I think I went to that true space that hmm. wanted to tell that and wanted to tell that with joy and with, because some of my most amazing relationships, which who made me who I am, have been with women. Hmm. And I don't see those kind of relationship in films, Okay, you know, where women are always pitted against each other. Mm -hmm. So. I wanted to, yeah, I wanted to see people like us up on a screen with the conversations and crazy, right? I'm saying yeah. people like us, but I made it in this yeah. village. where. Yeah. So that's why there is, that thing is, a, it's a myth, you know, mm -hmm. that it's the same stories. Mm -hmm. And for me in past, that was the thing when I went and did research mm -hmm. in Kutch, came back to Bombay and I started writing. My first aha moment was, I'm not making a film about them. I'm making a film about us. Oh, nice. Huh. You know, I'm not sitting in a place of judgment because exactly the same things are happening around me. Yeah. Yeah. True. They're just, they're just, you know, kind of polished over. We've just learned to keep a facade of being politically mm. correct. But what's happening inside is still dirty. Mm. Mm -hmm. Right. So, uh, yeah, that's, I mean, those are all the places that parched came from and yeah, there were a lot of things that upset me, you know, the way sex is portrayed in films. I took out all those badasses and bashed. <laughs> okay. So uh, when you say that took out all of badasses and you were just being the artist you were, it must be difficult to make a film like that with people because finance and what were the difficulties you faced in producing? Don't get me started. We will be talking about that in the next two hours. <laughs> but, okay, just briefly. Obviously, that. Obviously, starting with nobody wanted to finance it. Then mm. they ha wanted me to cast known actors for it, known actresses, okay. because there was no male actor heading the thing, which was very upsetting for everyone. Yeah, yeah. And that is already not a viable project. So yeah. uh, then, at least, Larkio may like you know get us known people. Mm. And I didn't want any. And actually, Asim didn't even let that get to me. He actually did the promise to the T. He didn't even let that pressure come on me. Uh -huh. Uh, he didn't want me to be bound by anything. Mm -hmm. Just cast 
anyone you want hmm. you know so um, yeah so it came from no but what is your question sorry how difficult was it like the producing okay. difficulties yeah yeah it was very difficult and imagine i'm making like the film that i wanted to yeah. make and it's yeah, yeah. and then there's no money and like literally hmm. on set every day we didn't know whether we had money to pay for tomorrow oh. we didn't know whether we'll all be trapped hmm. in that hotel but look at the talent that came in to tell that story hmm. so so there was also that burning need for it to be told hmm. so i think it survived on that and it survived really really more than anybody else mm-hmm. on one guy's belief in that sasim like i don't know how he held it together uh-huh. imagine getting a rasil carpenter for a film where we didn't have money for, yeah. to pay for a hotel you know yeah yeah, yeah. everything everything uh-huh. it was just so magical and like literally in that film i would say i want this and i got it hmm Hmm. like even getting a kevin ten to be the editor was the yeah. like would it be yeah, possible yeah. i don't know <laughs> so yeah and it happened and it happened so beautifully mm-hmm. and that actually taught me that film actually taught me so much at so many so many so many levels and it's still teaching me a lot of things okay. but uh, it was like therapy for me in <laughs> filmmaking like it felt like oh okay so making a film can feel like this too <laughs> it was so beautiful despite all the troubles okay and uh, making the film you want to make again coming back to that when you came ba- back from kutch first what was your research research process over there because people tend to like restrict outsiders from getting into the community usually and uh, so what was that process like how did you get into that uh, how did you get the information you wanted to get and how difficult was it to put all the things you wanted to say and choosing the right things to say for the particular story so the whole thing actually started off with a conversation with tanishta chatterjee where we okay. were like we want to work with each other mm-hmm. uh, you're an actor i'm a writer director editor as seems a cinematographer so between mm-hmm. us let's cook up something and make something small and whatever uh-huh. and we started talking talking and then she told me about conversations that she had with women in the village where she was shooting a film called jal hmm yeah and especially the conversations about sex was so much more honest than i can imagine having with my friends in bombay ha uh-huh. ha okay and i said that's so interesting so i said let's make sex in the village and blow the pants of sex in the city <laughs> <laughs> you know so that's where actually pash came from just having honest huh. conversations about ha huh. so then we uh, me and tanishta traveled in kutch hmm. where we hmm. met this most amazing man called nayan rana who uh, does theater in lots of villages in kutch okay extremely educated and you know amazing amazing person because of whom we had this conversation he took us to villages where women we spent days with women mm-hmm. the moment you start talking and you know you're also talking about your life you know honestly and suddenly they would open up there are so many i mean so much less layering with them yeah. we are so yeah. much more guarded in mm-hmm. so many things So yeah, so we did all that research, came back, and like I told you, my aha moment of it's not mm. about them, it's about yeah. us. Yeah. And uh, and then it just so naturally flew. I mean, I think it's okay. the easiest script I've written. I wrote mm-hmm. it in like without any stress. Then I sent it out to my friends across the world mm. just to understand, you know, what does this yeah. read like to them? Uh-huh. And they were all film. either film makers or film very film literate people mm-hmm. and bizarrely i didn't get back any script notes i would just get messages from them saying 
oh i know a bijli right here in toronto oh i know a lad oh. somebody like lad you right here in istanbul oh. and they would tell me their stories ha 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 and then once we started uh, so then we actually wrote the kind of kachi adaptation of hindi and uh-huh. like you know the language we changed nayanji mm-hmm. did that for us okay we kachified the hindi basically mm-hmm. so and then i started wrecking villages we wanted to get a real village in kach mm-hmm. to shoot and so we would go and tell them that you know we want to integrate you also into mm-hmm. the process if you come here for like three months mm-hmm. and we won't believe this without but around 30 35 villages refused permission sometimes they would they would have given the permission and later on refused when i went hmm. saying that oh are you going are you telling me that more women like you will come here when the shoot happens and i would say yes they would say no looking at you our women will get corrupt so hmm. and you know all those things kept coming back to the script so hmm. shabd was i mean past was work in progress throughout even through the making we uh-huh. were still learning about our characters okay you know so i would immediately come back and i rewrote my script because so and this is not the older generation this was the younger generation who had been educated mm-hmm. the male younger generation mm-hmm. who had been educated and who had been to the cities mm. they basically went into the cities and realized oh my god these women have become like this and they went back and got even more uh, regressive okay yeah ha uh-huh. ha you know so exposure doesn't always open your eyes mm. it can sometimes shut you yeah. down too yeah 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 so i mean and that's what i brought into gulab's character mm. you know mm-hmm. that whole gang of boys who yeah. are actually so toxic mm-hmm. you know they they've actually been more fortunate than the previous generation but they're toxic yeah cuz they they are just judging all the time mm. so yeah so finally we never shot in kutch Hmm. because we never got permission to shoot okay. there and we finally uh-huh. shot it in pakistan okay ha uh-huh. ha and again you mentioned gulab and the gang of boys and uh, there are what one thing which really struck with me was that uh, the story is about uh, four women but every character in the film is has the same amount of importance same amount of depth same amount of back story and the perform you can see that in the performances and the way they are treated as characters like it's just about the characters what was your process uh, in creating the entire world around these four women as well because again the realism of the film yeah. it's something that so my hmm. my uh, see this didn't i don't think men are uh, you know the villains i don't i genuinely don't okay. in fact i i have a lot of empathy for them because i feel there's so much focus on healing women that there is no focus on healing men and i think they mm-hmm. need a lot of healing too okay yeah so okay, yeah. gulab and uh, you know man uh, manoj's character lajjo's mm-hmm. husband mm-hmm. for me was uh, my heart goes out to them i mean i think they're victims then i don't i didn't see them as villains okay you know mm-hmm. and if you see i know the the negative aspects stood out so much that you will forget it but manoj is showing shown as this guy who's carrying amma into the wedding mm-hmm. See the mom marry me. You know he has that softer side. He's a funny guy. Mm-hmm. He has other aspects about him, but that guy. Why did he become this guy? Mm. Because of the pressure. Mm. I mean, if what we are displaying in the film that Lajjo lived with the fact that she didn't have a child, which was, you know, tossed around at mm. her all the time. 
here's a guy living with the knowledge that he's unable to have a child like yeah. oh my god but he's still supposed to be the man uh-huh. hmm. so he's, he's he's as much the victim hmm. okay and uh, about the realism what was your process in like it's it's very true to what it is and uh, capturing that into the frames what was your process of doing that actually in past we had lots of workshops with the actors uh-huh. with technicians we it was a genuine collaboration hmm. with everybody on set mm-hmm. and i think that shows like you know that mm-hmm. that like everybody was making that film the mm-hmm. best of itself you yeah. know everybody yeah, yeah, yeah. every everybody costume makeup and i think everybody and everything contributed and i think while we were living the i mean while we were shooting the film we were living the film in a weird kind of sense mm-hmm. because a lot of people had their own catharsis Mm. because the this is conditioning that we're talking about right yeah. in past yeah yeah i mean i remember after i shot that scene with shayuni where she's being dragged out of the village okay uh, mm. one of the spot boys he broke down and he started crying and he told me i have seen this in my life i said how he said my sister was and now i'm feeling so guilty you know so uh, or you know these three amazing actresses yeah. uh, tanishka radhika and surveen hmm. doing a new run in the film i yeah, mean yeah. it's it's liberating and it's mm-hmm. it's it's scary it's scary hmm. liberating but i think it did something to them it was yeah. it was a moment i mean hmm. like okay so i think uh, it it was not just a film it was a part of our lives in a lot of ways mm-hmm. okay uh you mentioned earlier uh, how sex is portrayed in films and uh, like there is there was some kind of controversy around the mystic lover scene which you also call martini shot of the film now uh the symbolism in that shot like the whole scene is something which which takes the nudity out of the picture for me at least or for the people i was watching the film with but that intent was that the symbolism and the portrayal of how beautiful it is it's about love and everything and uh, but it's taken at in a very different way so intent of the of the creator of you and how it's perceived from the audience uh, in india at least was something really different so how do you deal with that like first of all what was the decision behind i have i have a, I have a long uh, story to tell you about this how hmm. i got adil to do that role uh-huh. <laughs> because i went and gave adil a full narration of my script okay and uh, he's wondering why i'm telling it no no i was giving it in great detail and thinking i hope he doesn't think i'm asking him to play any of these other roles <laughs> okay you know uh-huh. and at the end he said okay i love it i love the script but uh, what do you want me to do uh-huh. i said i wanted to play the lover in the cave because hmm. that's what the character's name was on the script hmm. so he said what <laughs> he was so shocked with it but then uh adil is adil and he's he's a leader part uh-huh. so he's like you know when you offered that i it suddenly gave me fear and said can i do this hmm. like nudity and stuff mm-hmm. and he said and that's fear or something i said how can i have that as an actor hmm. so just for that reason to challenge myself yes i'm going to do it Okay. So that's how it happened, and then when a contract went to him and it said "Lover in the Cave," he's like, "My character doesn't even have a name." <laughs> so then we named him Mystic Lover, which that okay. thing became like a term. Then Mystic <laughs> Lover. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Then, uh, so when I wrote the scene, 
I thought of this. I said it can just be a body, like it mm. doesn't need to be an actor, actor, but a body, like a. Uh, but when just before I started shooting, I was like, "Oh my God, this scene! It's a scene. It's not yeah. it's a scene. It needs a performance. It needs a like performance." And that's how I had the guts to go to Agil, mm-hmm. and and what he took it to another level. But uh, and then I worked with Ashley Lobo. Who's my favorite is choreographer for uh-huh. times, and I said that let's choreograph this. Okay. Oh, nice. So before that, yeah, before that we had workshops with Radhika and Adil. Uh huh. You know where uh, Ashley does this amazing, amazing workshop with actors. Mm-hmm. You know where you work on whole body and stuff. Mm-hmm. So we did these workshops. Mm-hmm. First, got them completely comfortable with themselves, their bodies, and with the others' body. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. so that was out of the way. That's out of the way now. <laughs> now let's talk. <laughs> I mean, and that's where we shot. That's how we shot the sex scene. <laughs> It was like once we lose consciousness of body and <laughs> your body versus my body. Now we are talking. Okay. <laughs> okay. So that's where the scene was in <laughs> terms of, and it evolved in the workshops. You know <laughs> exactly his entry, how he comes and touches her feet. <laughs> yeah. And, नीचे then this scene being the most talked about scene across at least 20 30 festivals that i attended across the world uh-huh. hmm. and oh my god the things and descriptions i've heard like at least two or three people told me it's a scene from the bible and it's about jesus and you know oh. it's about honoring women and somebody uh-huh. you know interpreted him pulling the dupatta down as an act of marriage uh-huh and so the way it got interpreted like uh-huh. it was so 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 amazing mm-hmm. you know i used to call adil almost from every country and i said there's a hunt down for you everybody <laughs> wants to miss <laughs> <laughs> so yeah from there to then yeah finally we are releasing in india and sex scene gets revealed is the first headline and then getting to know that past is being sold as porn in calcutta oh shit it was just like you know and that's exactly why i did what i did uh-huh. so and that's why i when i was asked and they tried to make a whole controversy about the sex scene being revealed i was like yeah it's part of the film uh-huh. it's out there i'm sorry it's out there out of context uh-huh. but uh, mm-hmm. and then a whole conversation uh, with the uh what do you say sensible hmm. you know where the committee told me aapko wo nikalna padega so i said wo kya hoga i said the breast the shot of the breast i said breast and they all jumped back like oh my god what is this god we don't talk about these things okay that's the problem yeah we don't talk about these things it's time we did okay yeah so so that scene is like Yeah, so intent 
for me that scene is, is it's a whole conversation about what mm. sex is and means mm. and can be and mm-hmm. it's about respect and honor and yeah you know it's anything but about sex actually. yeah 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 exactly you know exactly. it's a yeah. for me it's a very spiritual scene and mm. and i'll tell you the reactions um, that i've got have been so varied i mean mostly good actually mostly mm-hmm. amazingly good and uh-huh. to another level that scene has made so many people howl and cry i can't tell you you know so um it actually so yeah it, so the, so i think that talks about your mm-hmm. relationship with sex the way you react to that scene mm-hmm. if you're uncomfortable with sex and mm-hmm. touch and mm-hmm. sensuality then that's where your reaction comes from mm-hmm. okay Mm-hmm. because there is nothing i mean even if it's a statement that i have to make that i there cannot be anything offensive in that there is mm-hmm. not anything yeah yeah there yeah. is no reason for anyone to dislike it mm-hmm. so if they do that that talks about their discomfort with mm-hmm. a conversation mm-hmm. or a depiction of sex mm-hmm. actually the what you said that the film that particular scene is about everything else except sex because i remember that watching that scene and uh, when uh, adil sir's character touches her feet and she gets scared and i was like okay like this is what it's about like they are not being respected there are like it, that particular shot just moved me moving on to a lighter note uh, while making the film uh, it's not necessary that the atmosphere is always intense so can you share some stories like collaborating with different actors collaborating with russell sir like just to get on a lighter note any anything you want to share from sets oh my god every day is a story i'm not joking <laughs> that okay let me talk about bijli ha huh. so bijli uh, the whole uh, thing uh, whatever that traveling gypsy mm-hmm. group was set up that whole thing was a set which we constructed okay. outside uh-huh. from the living quarter the tent and then uh-huh. the performance area yes so yeah we were in the middle of nowhere Hmm. so we actually got men from ajubaju ka villages uh-huh. as the audience mm-hmm. and uh, it went crazy it went crazy 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 okay like oh my god these guys got almost violent they were grabbing onto the uh, girls i mean for that it was real for them uh-huh. okay <laughs> you know they thought that they've come for this uh, performance uh-huh. so it I remember by the end we had all the ADs were lining the stage because mm-hmm. the, they were just going there and grabbing and uh, yeah and oh, the repression I saw over there for real was so crazy mm-hmm. and then we finished our songs in about four days okay. and after that we were shooting behind in the tent and stuff. Mm-hmm. every after that every day men would land up in jeeps and all that and start banging the ticket window. कि हम बिजली को देखने आए हैं न्यूज़ एक्टर्सिकल्टीकल्टीकल्टीकल्टीकल्टीकल्टीकल्टीकल्टीकल्टीकल्टीकल्टीकल्टीकल्टीकल्टीकल्टीकल्टीकल्टीकल्टीकल
yeah leher's character was my most biggest worry mm-hmm. because what the character has to go through i don't think a girl that age even deserves to know yeah <laughs> you yeah, know? yeah. Hmm. so um it was really complicated my whole process hmm. of even casting for that i met a lot of girls and a lot of them were very very disturbingly uh, put in a pro- in, in a profession which they did not have the bandwidth to handle so always with her character i always insisted on speaking to the parents first okay explaining to them hmm. and then i said you know i'm not i'm probably going to give her a much more simpler narrative Mm-hmm. then what she needs to perform but i will figure that out on set like how to get her there okay but she may still not know the truth about what she's doing hmm. and sure enough but then and with the riddhi uh, gulab's character yeah. played by riddhi sen amazing mm-hmm. amazing actor riddhi is like too much of for his age i mean in my okay. first phone call with riddhi mm-hmm. i started try- trying to tell him a simpler version of gulab and we started mm-hmm. talking about freud and sexuality and you know okay. so mm-hmm. i was like oh, okay he knows and <laughs> at least on a like on a knowing mm-hmm. level he knows uh-huh. and uh, so yeah so i sometimes used riddhi to kind of get leher like the whole uh final scene where he beats her up mm. you know leher we practiced it as as this fun uh, action scene mm. that i'm going to push you i'm going to make it look like you bang but you have to save yourself and then you do this and then you mm-hmm. do this okay you know so uh yeah and now when i talk to leher about it and how differently she understands the film now mm-hmm. i remember mm-hmm. on set only once she asked me she says why am i crying in every scene <laughs> and i was like i'm so glad you don't know why you're crying <laughs> okay what is the usual process of working with actors not just the younger actors just in general your process of working with actors i think every actor is so different huh. so you have to customize i for me it's about knowing them hmm. and understanding their strengths and then finding a way to get them where they need to be through their own process which is different okay. for every actor okay hmm. so Yes if I mean if I want to work with an actor really well I need mm-hmm. to spend time with them before we get on set. Okay. Mhm. Yeah. So it's okay. about getting into their psyche and mm-hmm. figuring them out and then mm-hmm. bringing them to where I want them to. Mhm. Not just putting a demand that this is where you need to be and get there however. Okay. Mhm. And as a director uh, it's basically your vision at the end which all the other artists are trying to achieve. and uh, so how do you manage that like using getting everyone's best like the cinematographer sound designer everyone to achieve what you have seen on screen and uh, uh, like we can talk about a particular scene where you approached it in a different manner the using the tools you have as a director so what's the process of working with other collaborators other artists to achieve your vision I think uh, firstly at a very basic level mm-hmm. I acknowledge that each one of them is an artist. Huh. Okay nice. And nice. that I'm collaborating. Hmm. And hmm. So where the truth that I want to get at hmm. Mhm. Maybe a different truth for each but we'll all get there. Hmm. <laughs> you know but okay. they the trigger points have to be different and they uh-huh. are different. Mhm. So acknowledging that 
so i i try to communicate with every key artist that is there in that particular scene individually mm-hmm. and just taking them to the truth that i want to go in whichever way we do that mm-hmm. once they recognize that then i tell them okay you perform it's not about me now and it's about you yeah okay you know so so giving them that space mm. so like a loosish example of uh, one is it's very important for me that the actor owns the space they are in you know mm. like so many times you see a film and you feel like that guy doesn't fit into that the space he is in uh-huh. and it is his house hmm. he's sitting in his own sofa like you know he's a guest in the uh-huh. house okay ha huh. so for me like for me i expect the actors to build a relationship even with the space that they are hmm. in okay and personalize it to what hmm. they are hmm. and then if i'm shooting a scene telling the actors okay they are already in character we've already been through that talking mm. about the psyche mm. creating memories for characters i mean I, that's one of the big processes i try yeah. to yeah uh, creating memories for them you know mm. even if they are not used in the film mm-hmm. so then letting the actors perform i have not we don't like i don't put the camera before that mm. okay letting the actors own that space and perform not telling them you walk from here to there and you uh-huh. do this and yeah unless there is something specific to script which needs to be done but okay. letting them own the space then watching this them perform with the cinematographer mm. you know then the cinematographer i tell him okay what do you feel mm. like how would you because that you are the master of that right mm, mm-hmm. so then again collaborating on that in case it's not getting to the essence of where i need to go then bringing them yeah. to that space uh-huh. just naturally through themselves not mm. as a order mm-hmm. you know letting them get there mm. so basically letting everybody perform okay nice and uh, what do you think is your voice as a filmmaker at the end like because if bunch of artists are collaborating and you have that uh, environment on set what do you think is your personal voice as a filmmaker in the films you make but they are all still telling the story and they all they all firstly sign into the story that i wanted to tell uh-huh. and that's such an honor for me mm-hmm. that i get such amazing artists to tell my story mm-hmm. so that's 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 where is my voice okay <laughs> you okay. know Uh-huh. like it is it is a painting that i've already made in my head and now i'm telling all these people to recreate that what is in my head hmm. firstly it's such a privilege that you get to do that that uh-huh. people sign into that mm-hmm. to to play out your vision mm-hmm. you know and mm-hmm. secondly that they actually perform it and uh, sometimes take it beyond your vision hmm. okay so i i i, I surrender to that i mean i for me that is the most beautiful thing hmm that you get to do that like create that whole orchestration okay yeah. and uh, one thing you mentioned in the earlier part of the conversation that uh, when you started people were tagging you and like they usually do women filmmaker female filmmaker and uh, uh, that journey and again having a strong voice and that too in the industry where it's like a female filmmaker is having a strong voice how difficult is it to finally tell the story you want to tell because at the end all you want to do is tell a story it can be about anyone it can be about a male character it can be about it's basically about characters so how difficult it is to just 
just tell the stories without all these tags and uh, like bypassing through the sexism in 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 the society in general i actually stopped paying attention to it mm-hmm. uh, quite some time back so okay. even if that there is a bias against me being a woman i i move out of that space like and I'm, i'm fortunate enough that i can and mm-hmm. i still have Mm-hmm. So, uh, I I mean, see, stories, male or female, have to make economic sense. Also, that is something I truly acknowledge, even as a creator. Okay, it's not like I want to make the film I want to, and I don't care who's the audience, mm-hmm. because somebody out there is spending money on it. So that responsibility I do. But okay. yes, my stories are not like the most. accessible necessarily mm-hmm. but that's what past again taught me that it mm-hmm. uh, you'll find an audience if you if you do it with the truth that needs mm-hmm. to be done you'll find that audience and past made me realize so it liberated me from catering to anything you know yeah. i realize that i am conscious of it mm-hmm. fine give it a i am conscious of the fact that mm-hmm. you know economics have to make sense mm-hmm. once you are conscious of that after that yeah just trust it will past play i mean uh, it is the longest Long, running film yeah. in france yeah 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 mm-hmm. it ran for 42 weeks i mean that's crazy yeah 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 i got the most amazing letters for such a long period mm-hmm. like some guy from a small little village in france mm-hmm. saw past you know village in france i was just like wow it released there like <laughs> it was crazy <laughs> and uh speaking about like wider reach paash went to lot of different 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 big festivals and after that the next film rajma chawal was on netflix again so that gave you a huge audience but uh what was like were you a little bit that are any art theater chahiye yeah you were okay with that film being on netflix because it's it's just a film like no no i don't watch it at all uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> i wasn't at at all because i i never thought of netflix after uh-huh. we finished the edit i actually got approached by netflix and they said okay. we, we heard you, you know, finished your next film mm-hmm. would you like to share it with us and i that time also i'm thinking that it'll be a deal ki after release they'll uh-huh. probably buy it if they like uh-huh. it so i sent a link to them this was before we had locked the edit and stuff mm-hmm. and they said oh we want to buy it as a netflix original okay so my first instinct was no way <laughs> like Huh. that like it's never going to come in theaters and how is uh-huh. this going to happen and blah blah uh-huh. and then i took a vote in my office where mm-hmm. there are lots of 20 year olds and they all thought that this was the coolest thing that can happen <laughs> <laughs> and i was like okay uh-huh. <laughs> interesting and the team uh told me yes we i think you know this is the best thing mm-hmm. as a producer i cannot release this film in 190 countries Hmm. uh forget about that that's like really far off uh-huh. even i don't know whether i can give you a really good theatrical even within india uh-huh. so uh this is the best thing that can happen mm-hmm. then when it was coming on netflix two mm-hmm. two days before the release i was in i was feeling so depressed because i felt i didn't feel like the film physically existed you know okay <laughs> like you know god even on the day of the release it didn't feel like is anybody even watching uh-huh. and blah Oh yeah, yeah, haha. Uh-huh. But I have to say, within forty-eight hours, my mm. friends across the world had watched the film, oh. and that has never happened. And then I said, okay, there is something. Haha, <laughs> haha. Yeah. Okay. 
So, what final question ma'am? Why do you make films? <laughs> Because it's the it's the craziest profession in, on earth. Uh-huh. Uh I don't think I will meet so many crazy people in a room together that I meet in this profession. <laughs> And I don't know like I uh, now even more with, with I'm so glad mm. that this is what I do because I don't think I would do any of these other jobs that I see anybody else. Do. Okay. So it's it's a tough life. It's a really really tough life for mm. too many reasons. And at that time, you just remember the high and you remember why you're here and you mm. just wait for the next high to happen and it does. <laughs> okay. So on that note, uh, thank you so much for doing this. I really learned and a lot of things. Had a lot of fun. I hope you had fun, ma'am. And yes, I did. Thank you so much. It's always good walking down memory lane. <laughs>